barely any sun, and yet I still get this insane glare from the... I don't know why. Is it... I can't explain it, guys. Please don't ask me why. There's the shaft of light. Maybe it's because I'm God-kissed. It might be because I'm God-kissed. I might be God-kissed, guys. Look at this. There's a shaft of light here, directly tor coming towards my head, illuminating me, dappling me, if you will, on my damn birthday. Uh, if I was one for augury, I would, I would call this suspicious. Libra season. Who's feeling themselves? Me and Lee Harvey Oswald, baby. Uh, the last uh, American Marxist to ever actually uh, impact American history. Maybe the only one. Oh, look at all those birthday greetings. Thank you, guys. Feeling good. Although it is very, I mean, I got the shaft of light here making it feel like I'm in some sort of edenic splendor, but it's actually pretty shitty today. It's been very overcast and on and off drizzle. Which, you know, it, it's like rain on your birthday. It's exactly what it's like. And I haven't, un of course, unwrapped my gift yet. That's for later. Uh, we'll see what that is. Oh, it's raining a little bit on me right now. It's drizzling a little bit. I can't believe there are people saying they're not going to watch these debates. I mean, I get it if you don't like politics. Good. Stay away from this bullshit. But if you're one of these people who has, through some device of the mind, convinced themselves that politics either matter or that, that politics matter enough to care about. Not necessarily saying that you, th you have some sort of opinion about like the efficacy of the political uh, system, but you care enough about it to pay attention to it, the same way that somebody cares enough about a sports team to root for them. I don't know how you care enough about politics to pay attention to it and not want to watch a potential uh, uh, bladder incontinence off between two clearly demented old mutants. I mean, if we're going to be ruled by a gerontocratic elite of uh, just out-to-touch old people who are waiting to die and then hand, it off, hand off reins over to their wildly even stupider and more inco incompetent children who will, you know, sell the last rivets off of the fucking hull of the ship as it's sinking into the ocean, God damn it! I want to see them at least show some of that uh, decrepitude. You know, just, just as a way to remind yourself that, you know, no matter how many money, much money you have or power you have, those neurons start, uh, they, they stop firing after a while, and you end up getting trapped in your own mind. And how that, how that feels depends on the life you've lived and where you are mentally to handle it. And if you're one of these psychos, you're, not, you're basically designed to handle it as poorly as humanly possible. So, you got two guys, one of whom firmly living in 1956, to avoid the fact that his, his current mode is, is, is fail. And then a guy not even living on this planet, a guy living in an alternative dimension where he is uh, eternally youthful and powerful. And those are our two choices for the, for the election. Do we resign ourselves to not 
not a managed decline, but an, a, a catastrophic one, or but one that we feel that w is inevitable and uh, unavoidable because our horizons have been so thoroughly uh, beaten away from us by the hegemonic propaganda that we swallow every day and every single one of our cultural and political and economic institutions pulling us all away from each other at, at lightning. Like, people in America are pushed away from each other the way that the fucking, like, the galaxies are. Uh, that the, the, the shift, the, that mysterious force that causes the, the universe to expand and, and send everything hurtling away from each other. That's, that's what we have. And so, manage decline, it would be possible, but it would require a degree of, uh, of citizen participation in government, a degree of intervention in this extraction mechanism of exploitation that we have allowed to just reign free in the name of uh, liberty, that is beyond our, not, not, not that we even think it would be bad to do that. Like, we don't even have the level of thinking, like, no, that would be socialism or whatever. I think for most of us, a, a 51 plus percent, they don't even think it's possible. As in, as impossible as imagining that you're going to live to 200. You know? Like, the, our, our doom is as foretold as every individual's doom is foretold by their uh, mortal body. Even though the fact that we are, you know, a fucking, a bunch of people who can hypothetically, like, reproduce... You know, and change the conditions and the and the world that that our offspring would come up into means that we aren't we could we we could defeat entropy, but I think for most people in this country, that to to, to even suggest it, it it just gets filtered into more political pablum because you're essentially demanding the impossible, at least the way we imagine ourselves. That's that's just capitalist realism. That's why Jameson said it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. Because we can imagine the system eventually collapsing. We cannot imagine doing what is necessary to uh, change the system and avert the collapse. No, it wasn't Zizek. It's Frederick Jameson. But then again, I think he attributes it to somebody else, too. It's one of those kind of a, a, a floating quotes. Jameson's pretty good. I always thought that uh, he, gets, he gets... People make fun of him sometimes for saying that the military is like the uh, institution in American life that could most like realistically be a potential model for socialist uh, you know, inter uh, transformation. I, I, can't, I think he's on to something, honestly. I've said that before on the show. Oh, man, I cannot... You know what? I'll watch the VP debate uh, for the cringe because Kamala is an incredibly cringy debater. Uh, does anyone remember when she made her last... her last Hail Mary attempt for attention and market share... In, in the debates, I think it was the last debate before she dropped out, was when she tried to uh, galvanize the field by uh, calling on all of her fellow uh, candidates to come together to demand that Twitter ban 
Trump because he's violating the terms of service. And she asked Warren if she would say today to add her name to this call, which is a classic thing you do uh, in, in, in primary races, is, is a, a candidate will say, will like lay down an ideological marker or like a, a, a make, a, make a bid, which then if, uh, their opponents either are, they're stuck in the, in, in, in the Kobayashi Maru situation, a Hobson's choice between saying no and alienating themselves from a popular position or saying yes and looking like they're taking orders from the person who should be by rights the candidate. Because like, if, I'm sorry, shouldn't the person giving the commands be the one who you get the nom- give the nomination to? Uh, but it didn't work because nobody gives a shit about, it's not a no-brainer uh, a policy. It's not, a one, it's not one that's going to galvanize people. It's nerd bullshit. It's mommy. It's not being fair. It's not fair. Not even like that he's saying specific things. It's that he's breaking the rules. And she asked Warren to do it, and Warren said no because she correctly intuited that it was not uh, an issue where she had to worry about being on the wrong side of majority. I mean, I'm, I could see her getting totally rooked in that move by a different person in, with a different point. But like Kamala came in with just the absolute laziest fucking haymaker ever ever seen on earth just ducking that thing was was nothing and it was humiliating she got bodied by uh by fucking tulsi gabbard of all people uh over her record and she had that thing and that little girl was me deal with biden which just actually fucked her over pretty badly among Democratic voters, they thought it was manipulative and, and unfair. Which goes to show, I think, that like the whole argument about woke shit on the internet, it really is beside the point, because that Kamala move to hit him on uh, segregation like that, it hit him on busing specifically, and then connecting it to her lived experience... That should be the kind of thing that wins. That should be the kind of thing that works. Or, conversely, the kind of thing that like, uh, uh, like shapes, the, shapes the race. Uh, instead, it, she tried it. Everyone said, ew. And then nobody really did anything like that again. So there's clearly no like hegemonic liberal... Uh, uh, insistence on ID Paul, you know, that's like making it impossible to make a, a populist left uh, uh, case. Like, clearly that stuff is, has a limited uh, um, impact on the general public. So how can it be the face of the whole thing? How can it be this, like, um, dominant propaganda mode imposed from without when it's barely anything anyone can make hay of as a candidate. They tried and nobody succeeded. Who got nominated? The old white guy. I know there's a theory that it, that's because Bernie went to ID Paul, but I'm sorry, I paid attention to that campaign. And just because AOC said in a speech after she endorsed him something about like brown bodies in a, in a, in a rally, that was not what... Uh, the t- contours of the Sanders campaign were about. And it sure as shit wasn't what people were uh, telling pollsters and telling everyone who had listened to them why they weren't supporting him. They were saying, because Medicare for all is unrealistic, because socialists can't win, and we got to beat Trump. 
And that has to do with, uh, with you know, hegemonic uh, capitalist ideological uh, um, infrastructure that has captured the minds of the Democratic, a significant portion of the Democratic electorate, coupled with the fact that the Democratic primary electorate is increasingly wealthy, increasingly detached from any, uh, uh, any motivation to pursue uh, material redistribution. Um, like those are the guys who, those are the people, those white suburbanites who, who flooded the polls in Virginia and in South Carolina uh, and, and helped turn the tide and kind of just uh, stifle the whole thing. Because they saw Bernie winning and they said, oh, fuck, no. He was, he did get it across people's mind that he was the socialist candidate. He was the candidate for radical change. Everyone bought that. I do not remember anybody talking about him being the candidate of, uh, of uh, fucking uh, LBGT whatever or uh, uh, bodies and spaces, however you want to phrase it. Any of the, any of the icky, alienating ID Paul that is supposed to... Uh, uh, make it impossible to, to make a leftist uh, material appeal in the current moment. He did it. He did it. And the forces of power, uh, the forces of capital arrayed their, their, uh, their mechanisms to defeat it for that reason. Aided by the fact that people can't imagine change of that, that nature. We have been so fully marketized that we cannot see anything other than this. And that's why when Bernie showed up, people were like, I, I, the, the, these appeals actually directly hit me where I live, and the world you're sketching is one that I know would be better than the one we live in. But it is prima facie impossible. And therefore, you can't go forward with that plan. That's very... That's sobering and terrible, but it, it really does show that, that, the, that the, the question of like the social issues that has defined this idiotic argument online for the past four years actually isn't influencing the political structures that these things are supposed to be determining, at least not the way that people are uh, claiming they are, one way or the other, like whether they're priorities for people and it's alienating to try to avoid them and that you have to speak about people's lived experiences for your socialism to have a chance because otherwise they're going to think it's too male-centric or whatever the hell. Uh, or that, oh, all, those icky, all that icky trans uh, feelings, pronoun, college stuff alienates regular people who just want to grill and have health care. That is only happening to the people who are focusing in through the prism of this hothouse of online argumentation where they have to find something to fight about because they're paying attention every second of the day and they're requiring stimulation and they're requiring argumentation because they've made it into a subculture. Because these are subcultural questions. I do know that Kamala's stepson is a Cometown fan very funny. Uh, Dante de Blasio, the, Dil de Blasio's son, also a Cometown fan. I gotta say, very impressed with their reach and fan, fan, fandom. Uh, uh, they're gonna, the next generation of, uh, of political leaders, like the next generation of black-pilled democratic uh, uh, executioners who just finish us off as a civilization will all be Cometown fans.
Yeah, and I'm sure they all hate us. Not because we're, like, owning their parents or something, but because we're fucking lame. Because growing up around politics, they think politics is lame. And talking about politics is lame. And they're right. It is lame. It's what you do when you're foreclosed other options of finding, uh, of finding meaning and, 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 uh, and purpose. So yeah, they probably think we're absolute turbo dorks, and absolutely correct. And I'm not saying that you know it's it, that it's dumb to care about politics. I'm saying is that uh, in the current moment, politics is so distant from, from eminentizing anyone's well-being that focusing on it requires you turning it into a part of your life, if you know what I mean. Like, it becomes a spectacle. It becomes something that you, because you know it matters, but you can't do anything about you fill that gap with the emotional resonance created by enjoying it on a day-to-day moment level of observation. Not engagement. Observation. Which is all we're all we're doing. We only vote once every four years for president. And that's the, the big thing, right? That's the big one. And then every two years, if you really want to be a nerd about it, in order to keep that focus... You have to have other areas foreclosed. And like that's just that that's the 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 hinge system that's gonna bring people to class consciousness in Marxist theory is that you have to start caring about politics because there's nowhere else to get any anything in your life. And you're like, my God, we have to change this, and you push towards it. And you need a combination of people who are sort of indolent and people who are exploited. Uh, and the problem right now is that. Far too many of the people who care about politics care about politics because they're filling a void of meaning, not material uh, necessity. And that is what sharpens practice into praxis, is that urgency. And it's not because we aren't suffering. It's because for a huge, huge percentage of Americans, the process of social atomization, fragmentation, uh, the destruction of the monoculture, the replacement of it with the, the simulation of simulations, the spectacle of spectacles of online, uh, uh, and the physical breaking up of working class communities, the breaking up of, uh, of like extended family units and, and any sort of uh, social networks beyond you know, immediate households, uh, Suburbanization, making a, a, that a geographic part of the fucking, like an actual part of the landscape. They're still feeling that horror, but they're not tacking towards politics because they're not, it's so far away. It's so far away, and what's going to get them there? What's going to get them there? All they engage with in the world to make sense of it is this stream, is this flow is this undifferentiated amount of fucking uh, of stimuli that gives it an illusion of infinites. It's an illusion, you give, it gives you an illusion of omnipotent or omniscient control of information in the universe. Like you can actually step into a stream that contains everything. Even though it's, it's like a corporatized 
miniaturized, intentionally manipulated version of that. Uh, and then you have to make sense of it. And what institutions exist to have anyone make sense of it? What, lived what, what shared experiences of class, class struggle or exploitation can be shared or generated out of that? And it's, it's, in, I, I, it's entrapped us. It's the damn matrix. It's the dang old matrix. And even those of us who think we're like more aware of, of the stakes and, and, and uh, what we should be doing in, in terms of making a political project to make things better instead of just seeking self, ultimately self-destructive forms of escape from our misery. How much of that is bound, ends up being lost into that same self-destructive escape? because of the lack of urgency and the lack of ability to apply. And I know that's, you know, it's, it's not great to hear because it does seem like it limits our ability to have any hope, but that's only if you adhere to certain expectations beyond the expectation to be alive on a day-to-day -day basis and live your life and be there for the people in it and be with them and allow that that to move you forward instead of a thing in your head a ship in a bottle that you've been building in the Skinner box that we think is the universe that's the only hope and if you feel, if you, can, if you can keep yourself on that beam, it becomes easier to see things as they are and avoid the traps that a lot of people fall into, where you decide that the, work, the real ruling class is the people online you don't like. Or that uh, voting for Donald Trump is actually uh, po uh, populism, and it, uh, because the, the Trumpism is the best chance we have for a like social democracy in the American political system, those are all wild forms of cope. Coping like a madman. I mean, thinking that thinking that there's any kind of like morality to voting at all. Like, I'm voting for Biden because it's harm reduction. What is your contribution to that harm reduction? If you vote for him and he wins, does that mean you're responsible for X number of people not dying because of uh, whatever he does that Trump wouldn't do? Which, honestly, has he really gotten too involved in explaining what would be different under him other than uh, everything would be calmer and there wouldn't be rude tweets? I mean, that's up to the people in charge to do that, to reduce that harm. You're pressing a button, motherfucker. One of 100 million people pressing a button. You didn't, you didn't reduce shit. These are individual votes and individual decisions. And as such, you have to take them in their context. In their, you, you, you cannot take the end result of an election. You, you kick one domino, and at the end of the domino struck down, you've got the entire world uh, being changed by the, an electoral uh, 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 contest, 
But you're not the only one flipping that goddamn uh, domino. Everybody is. It's just all falling over at once. If you weren't there, it would still happen. Exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. Like, there is no butterfly effect thing where one your decision to vote for a candidate changes the outcome of an election. You can say a group of people did, or people like you demographically, or people that you identify with on the internet because you post the same memes, but you had nothing to do with it. Which means that you're not reducing any harm or exacerbating any harm. You're not doing anything. So why are you arguing about it? Why are you adjudicating it? That is, participa- that is uh, participating in maintaining the fiction, the delusion, that there is a uh, coherent involvement in the political system now in the, in the absence of the Bernie campaign to form an actual structure of like organization around issues and organization around tactics by virtue of voting for him. You know, like creating an actual... Because what Bernie did, the Bernie idea of Bernie is that Bernie would give content and structure to the voting block of people who vote for a Democrat. They wouldn't just be 50 million people waddling around and flapping their doodles because, because his candidacy would be singular and because it would be organized around specific radical challenges to the existing political and economic structure that could not be digested by the political system otherwise. That means that voting for him is participating in a greater project. Biden is doing the opposite of that. He is, he, is, he is expanding the net to everyone by robbing his candidacy of any content. What is the Biden agenda? He just came out, people were talking today about his monstrously terrible health care plan that involves four-figure deductibles. That's, that's supposed to be the, the, the affordable health care that people are going to have. People, there's going to be four, four digit deductibles, which means you have to spend thousands of dollars before you can even see a dollar back in, in insurance coverage of healthcare costs, which makes it for a lot of people who don't have thousands of dollars, don't have four digits, means that it's as inaccessible to them, except maybe, no, as inaccessible to them as healthcare would be if they didn't have any insurance at all. But now they have less money. What are you doing by participating in this election? Are you getting rid of Donald Trump? Are you preserving decency? Are you uh, making America uh, built back better? Nobody fucking knows. Nobody cares. Which means there's going to be no fucking consequences for anybody directly after this in terms of the party structure. They might lose some elections, but they're still going to stay on the top of the system. Iron law of institutions. And I'm, never, I'm not telling people not to vote. What I'm telling them is, you've got to ask yourself why you're actually voting. Because only until we understand what the vote is and get rid of this mystification around it, this, this ritualized sacrament that we've turned it into, we, de- we break the spell of the vote, will people realize the massive chasm between their will and any, t- any, any accountability at the point of government. And people wouldn't say, oh shit, if we want things to get better, we actually have to make them better. These motherfuckers will not do that. And that is why I see anybody making any arguments about the, whether you should or shouldn't vote for Biden. I feel like even as well-intentioned as you could possibly be, this is by definition not only wasted energy, 
This is actually counterproductive because it reinforces the mystification around the vote. Strip it down to its essence. Walking into a fucking gym, pointing, uh, pressing a button and walking out. You have done nothing. A hundred million other people are going to do it too. Your decision is not going to impact the outcome of any race. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And if you're doing it in coordination with a bunch of other people, like, hey, we're all voting for Bernie, right? For the health care and stuff, right? Now you're actually participating in something. But in the current system, with the current candidates, you are not participating in shit, other than a ritual. A ritual of, of feigned authority. Where we pretend to bestow... We, our participation, honestly, individually... You can talk about like how elections have consequences. I'm saying individually. Our individual contribution to, uh, to elections and to the, uh, the who rules us is less than when the Queen of England goes like, oh, hello, and, and blesses the new prime minister. It's ceremonial. It's literally ceremonial. Until we do it in concert. Then it's not ceremonial anymore. And in the past, there have been times when it hasn't been ceremonial because of actual coordination around issues and agendas pursuing political power self-consciously instead of what we have now, which is Biden because he's not Trump. Then whatever he does, it won't be Trump, so it'll be better. And how bad it is, hey, do you want Trump instead? And you'll never, ever change anything. Until you're like, shit, I'm not voting unless it matters. I'm not voting unless it's worth my time. Now, I vote because I enjoy doing it, because I'm a sicko. I like going in there. I like filling out the little forms. I moved to New York right after they got rid of the old machines with the little flip buttons, and I was incredibly pissed. I never got to vote in, a, in an election with the old voting machines, which they also had in my home county, Manitowoc. Uh, but I, was too, I never voted there. I, I, I moved out too, too early. Instead, so I've only ever done, like, Scantron. And that's fine. But I like doing it. I like filling in the little bubble. I like putting it in the machine. I enjoy that. I enjoy, as Toby says in American Splendor, I enjoy the ritual. It's one of those rituals that I have fun with. But I do not amuse, I do not, dis, I do not uh, delude myself into thinking that my, my, my vote has moral meaning. It has no more moral meaning than me going to get dinner. Going, deciding whether I'm going to get, get the Arby's uh, Euro or go with the just the roast beef and horsey sauce. So I like voting, and I'm going to vote. Who I vote for doesn't matter. Doesn't matter in terms of morality. Doesn't matter. I could leave it blank. I could write myself in. I could sketch my balls on it. And you have to at, treat it that way. Or else you're going to leave that fucking voting booth thinking you've done something. And we're all going to leave that voting booth thinking we've done something. And then the wheels just keep turning and, oh, fuck, what happened? Obama is exhibit A of that. Because while he was able to marshal a broad, enthusiastic voting block, there was no content to it at all. Hope. To come. Stuff. Not not even anything. Like, the New Deal wasn't fleshed out when uh, FDR ran. But the, concept, the idea that there was, going to, there was going to be a radical change in the, the relationship between the government and the economy was taken for granted. This, uh, like, new deal. Like, it was going to be new. Obama was stuff. 
And so everybody left those voting booths in 2008 thinking they'd done something. And then what happened? They took it from there. And they, they listened to their real bosses, the people who they talk to every day, the people who actually participate in politics by giving money and raising money and d directing money and having meetings and sending emails and funding think tanks. So yeah, that's why people want me to debate X, Y, or Z guy about voting for Biden. Waste, not only wasted energy, misdirected energy. Like counterproductively misdirected. Because what's the argument for Biden? Every argument for Biden revolves around how much better a Biden administration would be than a Trump one for, like, the most marginal. And I wouldn't even argue those points. What I would say is, okay, but what does that have to do with who I vote for? Because I'm not picking between those two things. One of them is going to happen, but I'm not going to determine the outcome by my vote. So what difference does this make? What are you actually trying to argue? And look, somebody says, like, it's harm reduction versus accelerationism. I agree, but those are just other words for cope versus cope. You get to go in the booth saying, I'm voting for Biden, and then Biden's going to get in there, and that's going to... Uh, save lives and maybe reduce the climate apocalypse, even if it's not as much as I'd want. I feel like I did something good. I feel like I'm a good person. That's just coping. It's just a way to convince yourself you're participating. Same thing as going in there like, actually, uh, Trump, by presiding over a continuing economic crisis at the head of a, a still uh, capital-dominated party, uh, will lead to the emergence of, you know, a broad, hostile left that will break free of the shackles of the Democratic Party by uh, uh, engaging disenchanted members of the, the Trump coalition, as well as energizing new swaths of, uh, of previous non-voters through grassroots efforts and the creation of, like, counter-hegemonic cultural forms. Fine. Maybe. Once again, what does that have to do with you pressing which button? You're not making that happen. I wrote in Drill in, in Ohio in 2016. At Drill, I wrote, voted for. In Ohio, which ended up not really being a swing state. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I didn't make Trump win Ohio. So somebody says, so what if you do that? What next? I'm just saying you have to get there. I don't actually know what next. That sounds like a cop-out. Absolutely. It is. But I'm, this stuff, this is, things happen when they happen. You know what I mean? And they cr make other things happen that you cannot predict. The, sh the contours of them are not predictable. What I do know is that if people who feel that they are political, 
feel like they have a responsibility to themselves, future generations, the people they love, to make the world better for the people, for everyone, and, and make the planet fucking habitable. But voting is literally nothing. It's less consequential morally and, and, and meaningfully than jacking off. What are we going to do? What do we do about that? And then we work with what we have to build from that fucking foundation of what do we do about it, which we're not asking, or not enough of us are asking, because this massive weight of, of, of the presidential uh, election, this, this spectacle of spectacles, this grinding uh, 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 pyrotechnic phantasmagoria designed to completely absorb our attention, uh, can be fucking blocked out a little bit. And maybe part of that, maybe then people say, hey, I got an idea. How about instead of us just voting based on what we think would be like the, the more moral thing to do, how about we all get together, figure out what we want, pick somebody to run for that, and then vote for them all together. If we want voting to matter, if we think that there's enough, there's enough juice in the, in the pickle of American uh, political system. If it, is, if it actually can, can connect to power, if it's not completely ornamental, then let's do that. That's still a step up from where we are now. And it's still something that is only going to be possible enough people are motivated to. Not just in the sense of feeling the dread and horror of, of alienation and, 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 and uh, precarity, but also because they can see it thing to do with that precarity, to do with that angst, to do with that alienation, to do with that will and drive and incentive towards action, which cuts through all of the theoretical bullshit. It would be very funny if somebody asked if they're going to bring up the crime bill tonight. I don't think this this one. Uh, it would be very funny, though, if Trump brings up the crime bill and calls Biden like the puppet of Antifa in the same sentence. That would be perfect. See, this is so interesting. So people are taking from this, I'm seeing in the chat, that I'm saying don't vote. Not saying don't vote. I'm not going to tell you what to have for dinner. I'm not going to say don't go to, uh, don't go to, oh, fuck. What's the name of that salad place? Sweet Green. Don't go to Sweet Green. Do not have a chicken salad sandwich. You better not have fucking peanut butter and jelly. Or you better have spaghetti and meatballs. It is beside the point. You have to answer the question of whether you should vote or not. Every individual has to answer that question themselves. It's the only thing that matters. And hopefully, giving the, the act of the proper, the proper proportion, the proper proportion of your life that it, that it uh, uh, maintains, that it, that it reflects.
I mean, I am, I'm a goofy uh, enough romantic to even think that there could be either outcome of this election could bring about some sort of third party formation. I mean, it would have to be in the context of a, a genuine crisis, which I'm still not convinced is inevitable. This is a crisis, but when I say genuine crisis, I mean like one that leads to some sort of seismic reshuffling, re, re, uh, cracks in the, in the fissures, you know, or fissure, cracks in the system, and, and, and significant uh, breaches of normality. And I think I've said before on the show that I think we might end up never seeing that moment come just because all of those crisis moments that in a previous generation would have been perceived to be a, 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 a uh, splintering of reality would instead be immediately normalized within the greater culture as the people directly impacted are sort of s softly removed from the roles. Like, oh, oh, we just lost Florida. Well, that's really too bad. All right, I guess uh, we'll start redrawing the maps. You know what I mean? And in a system like that, two parties in, in, until in two parties until the you know government is in an Elysium satellite around Earth. Someone who really wants to know about the Elliot Spitzer scandal. I don't really know. I never watched that Alex Gibney documentary. Apparently, he was very horny and he liked to spend a ton of money. Uh, on uh, call girls, and it got found out, I guess mainly because Wall Street was mad at him for being too uh, aggressive in regulating them. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, that seems like what you could get from Wikipedia. I don't know what else you want me to say. Oh, he also sucked Liz Smith's toes, but that was later, after he'd uh, divorced his wife and left the, the, left the governorship and all that. But I think the main upshot is, is that the thing he got bit nailed for is stuff that almost all of those guys do. And it only brought him down because he annoyed enough people in real power in New York, i.e. Wall Street, because... Diaper David Vitter got reelected to the Senate after he got, came out. Uh, he was found in the black book of a, of a D.C. Uh, madam. Not only that, uh, it also came out that he was a diaper fetishist. He got, he got, his ass got reelected. And it's almost always true that if you don't resign, it eventually blows over. And yet somehow a sex scandal like that, that you think wouldn't have been that consequential at that point, became this thing that he couldn't get over. So, yeah, I guess that makes you think, wow, maybe Spitzer had some metal to him. But honestly, I think he, uh, he probably was just pursuing a populist uh, political branding 
uh, exercise too aggressively. I don't get presents anymore. That's fine. I don't really, I don't have anything I need. Well, every day is a gift. The debate starts at nine and I'm, I'm, I'm fixing the beat. Uh, I am fixing to be entertained, uh, and if, uh, God damn it, I'll, I'll entertain myself if they won't bother to. My favorite Dark Tower book, somebody asked, is probably Wastelands. Blaine the Mono, baby. Oh, I'm doing uh, White Claw tonight. Black Cherry, once again. Alcoholic or non-alcoholic, it's great. Everyone likes Wizard of Glass. I just remember being really annoyed after all those years that he has a, another Dark Tower book and it's a fucking prequel. Also, I, I like all the, like, the, the fucking post-Battle of Jericho Hill stuff more than, the, more than that dumb fucking uh, chivalric-ass world. I did see the Dark Tower movie, and it is stunningly terrible. Uh, really impressive how shitty it is. Uh, really reminds you that the, fi pro the filmmaking process has basically nothing to do with art at that level of capital investment, which makes the insistence of people to turn it into the sole vector not only of like, culture, but politics and personal fucking morality. Very, very grim. Like sucking on a fucking cement titty. Oh, God, Jesus rolls. I couldn't finish it. I might finish it at some point, but I got about, like, not even half an hour into it. One of the worst things I've ever seen. Just breathtakingly terrible. Which, of course, it always was. The idea was terrible. 
I love the idea. And John Turturro used to say that he would bug the, the Coens about making it. And you know that he asked them to, to write it. He said, hey, I have an idea for a movie. And you know they, should, they were as polite as possible. Like, yeah, John, that sounds like a good idea. But they were never going to make that movie. And so then he decides to make it himself. And holy shit. It is. It's a hell of a cultural artifact, I have to say. Armenia, Azerbaijan. Who you got, guys? Who you got? Who you got? Who takes it? Armenia or Azerbaijan? Who takes it? Not who you're rooting for. Who, you, who takes it? Got a lot of Armenians in the chat. Couple of Azerbaijans. No, it's overwhelmingly Armenia, it looks like. I, I think that's the Kardashians' responsibility for that, honestly. Somebody asked what my birthday dinner is. I'm trying to decide. What should it be? What would be a good dinner? Let's, let's end the chat talking about food so I can get all riled up and then eat something delicious on my birthday. Salmon? Oh. What kind of? Korean fried chicken, yeah. I was thinking Szechuan fried chicken with the, with the red peppers. Euro, though, sounds really good, too. Oh, fuck, I could go for a euro. I think I'm having a birthday euro. Oh, I wish I could get an Arby's Euro. Sadly, I don't think there's any Arby's in the city. It's bullshit. One of the best fast food places. Unavailable. Mmm. Yes, a Euro. Quite. Somebody says Donner, but I got, I, maybe it's just because I grew up, because I, when I lived in Milwaukee as a kid, younger, after college, there was no donor. There were only Euros. There were two places, Oakland and Apollo, and they were both really good. Uh, Apollo was, uh, I think, better, but uh, Oakland was much better people watching. It was a great place to go after you were drinking or something. And so for me, It'll always be a euro. The Donner's fine, but it's just not, it's not the same thing. I gotta get that tzatziki sauce. Yeah, those are even better than Arby's. When I gotta keep, I will stress again, for a fast food euro, remarkably uh, good. The tzatziki sauce is flavorful. The the like Greek style meat, it actually does have like a texture and flavor 
and seasoning that distinguishes it from every other pile of lunch meat that Arby's puts out. Wow, sure, apparently Felix just tweeted about me. Oh, buddy, that's so sweet. Felix is a mensch. Well, if you people say I work there, I any play any you don't want to see the sausage or the Arby's get made. Oh, french fries on a gyro is great. Somebody say that's bad? Who the hell's saying that's bad? French, oh God, that's the way they do it in France, I think. Fuck, I'm definitely getting a gyro now. It is, it is decided. You can't call him a gyro in New York, though. You gotta call him a gyro, because it sounds too much like hero, which is their stupid name for a sub. I gotta say though, I went to what's supposed to be the best Euro place in uh, Astoria, which I'm assuming, you know, that's saying something. That's like a, one of the most, most fully concentrated Greek neighborhoods in the country. Uh, and it was okay. It was like, it was pork for one thing. It wasn't even like partially lamb. And it was, it was just, the texture was weird. It wasn't for me. It was good, but I was disappointed. I still have not had a fantastic Euro here in, in New York. There's one that uh, I'm going to try, I think, I have in mind that hopefully will be good. Don't tell me how to pronounce these things. I'm not going to remember, okay? A Euro cake? What the hell is that? That sounds horrifying. Apparently pork Euro is traditional. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not traditional. I mean, I remember one time when I was, a, like, a, I think I was in college, I went to a Mexican restaurant and I asked for a, I saw there was a, a, I think it was a chalupa on the menu, and I was like, ooh, chalupa. And it was not at all like the Taco Bell chalupa, and I was disappointed. I'm a hick. I didn't have, I didn't have like, ethnic cuisine until I was, like, 
in college. The fanciest restaurant in my hometown was Taco Bell. Like that kind of stuff isn't true anymore. Like, like, like you can kind, you can find varied cuisine all over the place now. But like just a few decades ago, uh, if you were outside of like even a, a, like a metro, a regional metro city, you you had uh, you did not have a lot of ethnic diversity in your foodstuffs. So I like the lamb you're on the thing. I like the guy and the guy cutting the thing off. That's what I like. El Pastor is a Mexican Giro and also very good. Oh, yeah, I tried Patsy's Pizza. After we talked about pizza last week, I got Patsy's, and it was really good. I was very, very pleased. All right, somebody is posting a Euro cake. I'm